Bump and Run with Bernie and Dalby. Presented by Burrito Express, your local burrito joint. Now, here's Brett Bernheisel and Steve Dalby. Well, here we are. Podcast number four. Yeah. We're moving right along, Dalby. I mean, pretty soon we'll be at podcast number five. Um, I just want to let everybody know that I have named the studio. It's not really a studio, but it's a room. They have now calling it Bernie's Bunker. Thanks to my wife, Ellie, who came up with the name. And I simply nodded my head and agreed. So for now on, this is Bernie's Bunker. What, what is your room called, Dalby? I'm not sure yet. I'll figure something out. And I see the I clock hasn't moved. No, the clock. Time stands still for this show. <laughs> I had people reaching out to me going, you know, Dolby's clock never moves. And I'm like, yeah, it's yep. an antique. And when That's you have it. an antique so old as that, sometimes it just time stands still. So, yeah. That, um, that, that's it. Um, you've got golf clubs. You've got a picture. Did I see a new uh, a new addition to Bernie's Bunker today? I know some people aren't going to see it but because they're listening well, to I this do have podcast. A, but you I do bib? have an old uh, I do have an old bib that uh here let me see if i can do this without looking like an idiot probably already am it's from the old uh buy.com tour back in the day upside down sideways or whatever but anyway it's a funny story about this uh this bib the last so we were in uh fort smith arkansas beautiful place by the way if you're ever looking for a vacation and I'm caddying for this guy, John Patterson, because Eeks fired me in Toronto, and I was working for this guy. And Honestly, Dolby, I've never seen anybody in my life. You could, you, could, you could go to Vegas, and you can bet whatever you wanted that this guy would at least have one or two shanks in a round. Because he, he, he hit these high 30-yard draws, and he got stuck sometimes, and he hit these shanks. Well, anyway, I'm caddying <laughs> for him. Um, and I'm staying in a hotel in Fort Smith, Arkansas, and who's staying right next to me was R.W. Eeks. And he knocks on my door one night, and he goes, I need you back. And I'm like, dude, we've done this so many times, whatever. And I agree to go back, and this is going to be the final week with this guy. And uh, we're in the final round. We're on the reverse side of the horseshoe, which for people that don't know, there's threesomes off both tees for the final couple of rounds back then. And we were like second to last off, off the 10th tee. And we made the turn, and we came to number two, par three about 180 and uh he wants to hit seven iron and i said no dude eight's plenty for you eight's plenty and he's like okay all right bud and he hits this eight and it never leaves the flag it was one of the few shots that he didn't hit it's this big hook and it never left the flag and in the middle of the air and i swear to you i said if that's not the right fucking club then i'm done and it took one hop went in the hole and the rest of the guys in the group and caddies didn't go congratulate him. They came over to congratulate me on making the call. So at the yeah, end of the round, well, of course. At the end of the at the end of the round, he he signed it for me and said, uh, uh, "Bernie, thanks for letting me play the game. It was pretty cool." So that's something I've had since uh, I don't know 1999, 2000. So that's one of the cool things that I'll put up in the in the Bernie's bunker here real soon once I figure out uh, where it has to go to be visible. How long did you caddy? How long was your caddy career? Um, so my first event on tour was in 84. So I caddied 80, I caddied two tournaments in 84 when I was, when I lied about my age, of course. And then I caddied in 85 for 
six or seven events, 90 the whole year for RW, I think, until, well, he might have fired me once, but uh, the whole 90, 91, then back in 95, and then 99, 2000, 2001, and a couple tournaments in 02, and then I, uh, I retired. So and then you were off. bouncy, bouncing PGA Tour, buy.com Tour, whatever you want to say, web.com, whatever it was. Lady, ladies, champion. I did them all. I did all. I did the okay. Now the Corn Ferry, Corn Ferry, mm -hmm. PGA Champions, ladies. Um, yeah, I did. I, yeah, I, 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 I was in a car a long time in my life. I drove a lot of miles through the uh, through the country. Never caddy the Canadian yeah. tour though, but I did caddy. I did caddy in Canada though. <clears throat> and caddied in some Mondays then, I'm sure. Well, lots of Mondays as we talked about last week. And and you know what? And and <laughs> we have not. We have not prepped this show, so this is going to be winged. But the guy we had on last week, and thanks to him, you know, th we got a lot of good reviews and a lot of good views on, on our YouTube channel and Spotify. Um, Ryan French, he – this is a cool story. It's a sad story, but a cool story. He uh, he just – he was at the Colorado Open yesterday doing a bunch of videos because he's allowed to do it at the Colorado Open. And he flew to Reno to caddy for his friend Mark Baldwin, who, who uh, plays on the Corn Ferry Tour, who was trying to Monday today uh, up in, in Reno at the Barbazol, or uh, Barracuda, sorry, Barracuda, Barracuda, Barbazol, I get him confused. And he shoots seven under, and his first tweet was, we thought eight was the number. He hit a great chip on 18 that hit the flag and kicked off and stopped about a foot away, so they had to post seven under. Uh, you're, you're The guy that you brought up, and this is funny, the guy you brought up a couple weeks ago, Justin Suh, he shot mm -hmm. nine under and was and was medalist today, so he's in this week. But anyway, they had to wait around, and somebody else shot nine, another guy shot eight, and then somebody shot seven. And uh, I remember the guy's name. Um, give me one second here. Um, so anyway, they go for a two for one, which which to Monday Q info is is as boring as can be. And anyway, so the guy, the guy they're in a playoff with, and I'll find his name here in a minute. They're on the first playoff hole, and the guy hits a putt to about 18 inches and rushes it and misses. And like so goes Mark up Baldwin, to tap in? Yeah, goes up to tap in. You know, let's, I'm, I'm going to finish real quick. Doesn't take much time. Misses the putt oh. and is eliminated. And Baldwin Baldwin now um, gets in. So it was uh, – it was. It, I've been there. I, there was a putt in the Utah State Amateur back when I was a kid, back in the late 80s, that I, that I, I rushed up in a quarterfinal match and missed it and ended up getting eliminated. But, you know, those things like you, you think those 18-inch putts are, you know, when when you when you watch it on TV, and, and you know this as well as anybody, when you watch it on TV, you know, anything inside three feet, you expect the uh, the PGA Tour Pro or LPGA Tour Pro or whoever to make the putt. I, I remember times when when – if RW had it inside three feet, I couldn't watch. I, I just I, I couldn't watch because I didn't I didn't know if he was going to make it or not. But when you watch it on television, especially nowadays, how good these players are, you expect every one of them to make these putts. And like this guy just rushed up, had an 18 incher, missed it, and now he's uh, trunk slamming and heading to the next uh, state open or whatever he might play in. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's a tough one. It, it is a tough one, and and that's where sometimes with my junior golfers. I'll, I'll make sure that they understand when they're playing in a tournament, no matter what, and maybe it's even, maybe it's a tap in, but just take that extra two, three, five seconds to make sure 
um, that you're cleaning stuff up properly or, or, or mark it, you know, I'm sure, you know, he was probably just trying to get out of the way with a short putt, but, um, in a situation like that, where the, where you're, you know, where that could be a life changer, mark the ball, um, make sure you know what you're doing. And then, and, and even if it takes a little extra time, so be it in that situation where he was today, mark the ball, make sure, and then move on. The, the guy's name was Justin Warren. And he put out a, a tweet that said, can't assure that the feeling isn't good. Amazing what nerves and pressure do. Routine flew straight out the window and rushed an extremely important putt onto the next one. Quote, quote. Yeah, and so, I mean, you so. know, just what we're talking about, he, the, the, the pressure, and, you know, who knows how many PGA Tour events this guy's qualified for, probably not that many. Um, and like if I any. said, a a tournament like the Barracuda can be a life changer because you get into that field. It's not the strongest field. So there's there's opportunity with that for a Monday qualifier. Um, but yeah, he what he just said, he lost his routine. And if you have a routine uh, as a player, if you have a routine, you're going to you've got to always stick to that routine no matter what. And, and in a situation like that, he probably needed to try to slow things down. Things got very, very fast for him today. Yeah, it's. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm kudos. I mean, I'm I'm happy for Monday Q and uh, Mark Baldwin, but yeah, for this guy Justin Warren. I mean, that sucks. I mean, like you said, you're on the ver. I mean, and and for somebody that doesn't have any status on the PGA Tour, you don't get many opportunities like this to be able to play in a tour event. And when when times like this happen, I mean, you, you see whether you go back to the days of you know Kenny Knox or. Or the Corey Connors that won at Valero. I mean, they're life-changing moments just to be able to get into the field. I mean, so yeah, that I mean, it's it, I'm I'm happy for for Monday Q, but I this I don't know the guy this uh, Justin Warren. I don't know him, so I mean that sucks. Uh, do you watch yeah, the Olympics? Does suck. Do you watch yeah, the Olympics? One more thing is it, well, one more thing with that is Monday on the bag this week. Then yes, yes. Do we know? Yes, that's yes, great. He's on the bag. He's Excellent. on the bag. That'll now, be fun. So, it, it will be, and, and I'll be, and I've, I've actually followed this Mark Baldwin. Follow him on Twitter. He follows us on Twitter. Um, just because of, of Monday Q being good friends with him, it's like, you know, it's like, you know, our friend Neil Johnson, you know, things like that. He's he's close with a few guys, and you asked him those questions if you, you know, last week. He's just closer to some than he is with, with others, and this is this is cool. And I hope, they, I hope they play well because it's like he, he put something that was pretty funny that – Whoever the first alternate is in Utah this week for the uh, KFT event uh, owes Mark a beer because now he's in because Baldwin was in the KFT event in Utah for the Utah oh, championship. Yeah. Sure. So now he's now he withdraws and first mm -hmm. alternate who's probably – and they only have two tournaments left. I don't know if you knew this. They only have two tournaments left. This one and the following one. And the following one is a complete point-based field to where it's the top whatever 140 or whatever it is on the, on the point list. There's not going to be a Monday queue for it. So with only having two events left, this is a big week. So whoever was first alternate this week, and I'm not going to look it up. I don't have time. Whoever's first alternate should be very lucky that uh, that Baldwin got through in this playoff. But did you watch yeah. the Olympics? Did you? What do you think? If you didn't, I can. I mean, I was. I've watched. I've watched the Olympics. Some of the Olympics. I haven't watched much golf. I, I did watch. I watched the playoff um, for the for the for the bronze medal. Um, that was interesting. What was it? Seven, eight guys in that playoff, but yeah. um, but I didn't watch a lot of the golf. And then there was some of it. I was I did tune in a couple times where, and I don't know if it was just me, but there was there was no sound 
on the golf channel. Um, and, and that was strange. And it, it's strange that, you know, throughout the Olympics that they've got all these beautiful stadiums and, and then the golf course, um, there's nobody out there fanless. So um, it's a strange Olympics just overall, in my opinion. I mean, kudos to, uh, to Shoffley who, uh, who got the job done um, and beat Rory Sabatini. Beat your man. Yeah. Was... Your guy. No, he's not my man. No, he's not. No, I'm not a, <laughs> Do I'm you not, not a fan like of Rory, Rory Sabat. No, Why? I don't. What happened? So back in the day, believe it or not, for you people that are watching this on, um, on YouTube, you can look at my face. I did have a television show for one year. I did it with a guy that uh, finished runner-up in the, uh, the Masters, the year that Craig Stather won and played in the Ryder Cup, Dan Pohl, who hit the ball back in the day with persimmon clubs as far as anybody, if not farther, uh, that played the PGA Tour. And we, we, were, we were doing a show in Tucson. So we drove, we drove down to Tucson, um, and we're going to interview Rory Sabatini. And... So we get to the course, blah, blah, blah. We, we pick a hole to go out and play just to shoot some, some film back then that was taped, edited, taped. I mean, it was, took forever. We played one hole. I think it took like two hours. But anyway, so I hit – So I, seriously, I hit this perfect drive, you know, for me about, I don't know, 260 back then. And I've got – I got a five-wood or four-wood into this par five, and I completely top it. I mean, just dead, over the top, top the thing. And he has to, he, he had just turned pro and he was playing with this company back in the day called Tight Lies. And he looked at me, and, and this is caught on camera, and they ended up using it. You know, if you would have had a Tight Lies, <laughs> this never would have happened. And I'm like, all right, dude, whatever. So anyway, we get to the green, and now we're trying to tape him to make this eight foot putt for birdie. Miss, retape, miss, retape. Miss, retape, miss, retape. And I said, dude, you're worried about me hitting a forward from the fairway. Can you make a putt? You know, I didn't say, I probably said, can you make a fucking putt? And he got mad. He stared me down. He finally made it on the, on the fifth, on the fifth putt. But after that, I've never been a fan. And I've, I've asked, I've asked, I've done some asking uh, with people on tour, players, caddies. And I would say probably, and you know, he does have 10% that like him, but 90% really don't like him. And I'm one of those 90%, but that's just me. Doesn't mean he's a... Doesn't mean that some other people that are watching this don't like him, but I mean he does give a lot of money to the military. I'll give him kudos for that. Um, but yeah, I just never been a big fan, and that was twenty something years ago, and I kind of still hold a grudge. Yeah, you have history. What did you think about the um, the Olympic the golf the golf? What did you think? Um, you know, when you think of it overall, do you like the tournament? Do you like that there's golf in the Olympics, uh, especially this year with a Ryder Cup? You know, some guys maybe not playing. I, I maybe think, sick, I think, maybe not. I mean, I watched the final round. Uh, I watched a, a little bit before the, you know, maybe the first. I, I, I didn't watch as much of it as I, as I did the the final round. I was intrigued by, you know, just because of of, of the story that there's going to be a a gold medal champion. I don't know. I mean, I, I was – I actually would like to have seen it in a match play format, but that's just me. Maybe I'm completely, you know, out of bounds on that. But the last round was 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 good. I just – I wasn't – I'll be honest. I'd rather watch the Barracuda Championship than I would have watched this. But 
And that's probably bad to say, but it's the truth. I just, I liked it, but it wasn't something that I, I couldn't wait to watch it. It wasn't like, oh my mm -hmm. God, the thing's on. I got to grab a beer and let's, you know, let's watch it. I, it. I was never into it like that. Yeah. And I think when you, when you talk about the Ryder Cup, obviously you're going to be glued to the TV for that. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. 100%. On yeah. yeah. And I think in, like, in the know, Olympics, in What's the that? Olympics, it's it's new. You know, golf's still new in the Olympics, so maybe it takes a little time to to grow. But um, yeah, I'm I'm kind of I I was I turned it on, but I wasn't too intrigued by it. I guess. Okay, how about the shoe? Hey, shoe, you're I know you're you're they're there because you're part. What, oh, what there's shoe. Did you watch Hello, it? Hello, guys. Did you, yeah, there you are, shoe. Yeah, hi. No, I I didn't, and I was just gonna run an idea by you guys and and let me know what you guys think because Bernie, I agree 100 percent with what you said about this needing to be a match play format because. I don't know about you guys, but when I think of the, the Ryder Cup and the President's Cup, that is a different format from anything we do on the tour. It is different. It is different than almost any event. There are a couple of match play events that we get throughout the course of the season, but it is different for that reason. Other than this being the Olympics, there's nothing different about the way this event is structured than anything on the tour. So I have an idea I want to run by you guys. The event that takes place in Dallas, that's a WGC event, right? The match play event that they do down uh -huh. in Dallas? In Austin, Austin, yeah. Texas, yep. Where they group everybody together. Everybody's got a seed yep. and they group people and you play everybody in the group and then you move on. So why can't we have a bunch of people qualify for the Olympics? And then they go to wherever the Olympics are and they play one round. And based on their score of that round, they're then seeded. And then they're put in groups, and we do a similar format to what we do in that Dallas event, and we have that be the way the Olympics are done. I like something ahead, like Dom. that, Shu. I, I, I like something like that where when you look at some of the other sports and the sports that have been around a little bit more, when you look at um, uh, the, the, you know, the basketball teams, they're play, men and women, they're playing in a pool. Um, mm -hmm. volleyball they're playing in a pool and then it then it kind of goes into the match play situation and you get a champion i like something like that a, a little bit better than than a stroke play event i think it's just Bernie? stakes right yeah uh, yeah i mean I, I i agree i mean it's just i mean the the olympics and i agree with both the I, the the olympics should be something different than what we are accustomed to watching each and every week um you know but i will i will the one thing I took out of this wasn't so much that Xander, you know, beat uh, Sabatini, who now lives in a different country, and I'm moving to Guam, by the way, um, is that Rory came out, or McElroy came out and said he's never tried this hard in his life to finish third, which would have got him a medal. And mm -hmm. I, it goes back to what you said, Dolby, the, the playoff, the eight for one. That was that was cool. It, it, you had two foursomes, and, you, and the guys are waiting on the green for the other group to finish, and you don't know what's going to happen. I mean, that that to me was, was cool, and I think I think it would be even cooler going back to what you said, Shu. If you if you took whatever you wanted to do, if you wanted to take, you know, the sixty players and make it into thirty-two or whatever, and then have that playoff for eight for one to be able to advance. To the match play portion of that i think that would have been a cool thing i would just like to see the olympics be just a little bit different than what we normally see each and every week on the pga tour or european and tour and my last thought for you guys is time's not an issue right they have this entire olympic schedule to to fit this in yes if it takes two weeks to determine who the golf champion is it takes two weeks 
right? You have all of this time to be able to build this event and let it play out. When we have a, when we have a PGA event, four days, it's got to be done. If it takes six, seven days, it takes a whole week to get a golf event done. You have the time. Well, well, okay. I'll, I'll disagree with you there. And I'm going to disagree with you for this because the Olympics is it, the, the Olympic schedule was put in in the middle of the PGA Tour to allow these players to play the week before, the week after, you know, because like this week, the, the WGC events in Memphis, as, as Steve talked about, we got the, the, the Barracuda up in Reno. So if you take two weeks, now that now that just takes longer for these players to be able to, to come back and the PGA Tour is going to have to, you know, it only happens every four years. The PGA Tour is going to have to fix their schedule to allow for like two weeks off because one of the hardest things for these players that I've, that I've read about in the last day or so is them getting two Japan and back to the United States or Europe or wherever they're at to be able to play in, in this week's you know WGC event or Barracuda. Sure, but all these other sports do it. During the Winter Olympics, hockey, the NHL has, and they've fought over it a bunch, but they have an Olympic break where they, they built in their schedule. We're not going to be playing games from this time to this time to allow all of these players to represent their countries. So you can do it, and it's not like the Olympics sneak up on you. They're every four years, and they're normally at the same time. So it's just building it into the schedule that year. It shouldn't be that hard logistically to make that work. Yeah, and Shu, yeah, so let's say, I don't know, in beach volleyball, for example, do the U.S., do they have – they have multiple teams, right? Do other company, co countries have multiple teams or like does some some country have one team and the U.S. has a, a number of teams in, in, in something like that? Because I think in golf too, I'd love to see maybe two-person teams right. um, playing in a match play situation and maybe the U.S. has two two-person teams. I'd love to see like with the, with the ladies, I'd love to see the Corda sisters going against the rest of the world and I think in a match play situation, I'd be more apt to watch that than than a, than than seventy two holes like we watch every week. Just like swimming, right? I mean, in swimming, you have multiple Americans swimming. You have multiple people from different countries swimming in these events or competing in these events. As long as the qualification system is set up, I don't see a reason why you wouldn't be able to do it. It would take a complete rework of how you do it, but it's not like the things that would normally get in the way would be in the way. You'd have the infrastructure. Mm -hmm. The Olympics are one of the biggest events that ever get put on in the world. You have the time because all of these countries devote all of these resources and men and women power to be able to make all of this stuff work. So the things that could get in the way really aren't in the way. It would just take the creativity to restructure it and do something different. Now, maybe everybody feels comfortable with the way it is right now and we get the Ryder Cup and the President's Cup to be able to, you know, have our fun and do our match play and they're fine with it the way that it is. But it just didn't it doesn't have the same pizzazz and flavor to me the way the Ryder Cup does. Not even close. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I agree with that. I mean, being such a, a, a golf nut as far as I am and I watch, you know, so much golf, you know, different than, than you, Dolby, that you don't want you you don't watch a lot on television because your whole life is golf. You're, you know, teaching whether it's juniors or you know, the the PGA guys. So you don't to you it's not as exciting unless your guys maybe are in the hunt for you to watch an event where me, you know, not being out there like you are, I, I watch a lot of golf and you know, it's just, like I said, I'd rather, I mean, it just, it, it was exciting. It was exciting on the final round, you know, to watch. And, but besides that, it was okay to me. It was, it wasn't anything like, I can't wait to watch this thing.
Yeah, and like you said, the, the the playoff for the bronze medal was probably, in my mind, the highlight of men's Olympic golf. Now, we'll see this week the ladies start playing, so we'll see if maybe there's a story on, on the ladies on the ladies side um, kind of jumping to another topic and it is on the ladies side of golf there are just some players Bernie that just know how to do it and Annika Sorenstam this last week um, you know she hasn't played much golf over the last decade let's say and's played a couple LPGA tour events this year to kind of get ready for the US senior women's open and to win by eight. Um, and it was funny, I don't know if you saw the interview, um, her husband who was on the bag was, was uh -huh. you know, crying and going nuts. Her, her, her little boy was so excited and tears coming out. And Annika was just the same, just the same as she was 20 years ago in the interview. Calm, this should have happened. This is how, this is my world. And, and, and it's just, there are some players, not a lot, but there are some players that are just that fucking good that no matter what and when, it just happens. Nicholas, when he was 46, it was supposed to happen. There's just those few players, and it was it was really cool to see, you know, that her to her to just go out and just dominate a tournament again. And I got a chance to meet her because of you uh, four or five, six years ago in McCormick Ranch back when – you were doing some stuff for some people there and they had a big outing with uh nicholas norman and annika and i got a annika was cool enough to take a picture with me even though she didn't know who i was and you know we talked for i don't know four seconds but mm -hmm. when you look when she asked her kids she was retired she was done and she asked her kids if they ever wanted to see mama go play golf again and both her kids said yes we want to see mama play again so she devoted the last couple of years you know not being so much the stay-at-home mom and she still is but not as much to go out and try to compete for this moment it wasn't like the two pre-lpga events that you talked about or one two three whatever she played in it was for this particular moment for the u.s women's senior open she got herself ready and absolutely kicked the shit out of the whole entire field. And it goes back to a quote, and I don't know who said it, and I read it today or yesterday, that they beat me 20, she beat me 25 years ago. She's still going to beat me today, and she did. And that was, I think it was from our friend Ron Reed, uh, Pebble Beach guy that we had on our show years and years ago, back when we were on live radio. And it, it's true. Just She kicked her ass then, and she went out and kick the mask in and I, I can't I actually can't wait to see how she's gonna do now that, that with this win she qualifies for the regular US Women's Open uh, next year I can't wait to see how she she does in that but the, the biggest question I want to know is she won 180,000 did she give her husband 10% or maybe a little bit more that's the biggest question I'd like to know did he only get 18,000 or maybe did he get like 25,000 yeah I bet she I bet he got a little bit more I bet he got a little more so that then and and you know what a what a cool thing for the whole family to be out there and 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 like you said for her to kind of say to her kids do you want to see me play and and um and then to just to go out there and do it and and there are there's just those certain few players bernie that i think yeah they beat me 25 years ago uh, they're gonna beat me again and and i you know they know it i know it everybody else knows it and 
she proved it this last week. What are your thoughts about like spectators, like on the 18th hole, like getting close to the players with your thoughts on that? And then, you know, what maybe some of the players that you teach, what are their thoughts on that? I mean, some people enjoy that. Some people just, you know, don't want to be, you know, don't want to talk to anybody. They don't want to high five anybody. You know, they just want to walk their path and, and be done. What are your thoughts of, of, of how they did that this week? Well, and I think I think in a normal situation, let's say pre-COVID and hopefully post-COVID here, I think having the fans in a situation where it's manageable to have the fans come around. Um, you remember when Tiger won the Tour Championship uh, a couple years mm -hmm. ago at, at Eastlake? Yeah, he hadn't terrible. won for a while. And they walked down the, the 18th, and he had to kind of maneuver through them. And, and I guess there's probably always safety issues, but from a, from a fan standpoint, watching it, it's kind of cool, I think. Um, do the players like it? I think it's something that if you're at that level and you're Tiger Woods and it's happening, it's just something that you have to do. Um, and hopefully we'll get to see Tiger do that again. I don't know. But in a situation, it, like I said, you know, you think about um, Hale Irwin years ago at Medina yeah. um, running around high-fiving people on the 18th green. It's pretty cool. So I like it right now with with COVID going on, on the PGA Tour at least, um, even like a player being asked for an autograph on a practice round is not supposed to sign right now. And that's still with consideration to COVID and the bubble and all that stuff. And, um, you know, you'll see, you'll see, a you know, if a kid asked Troy Merritt for a, an, an autograph, he's probably going to do it, but he might even say, Hey, I'm not supposed to do this, but I will. Um, and I'm sure I, I would hope that most of the guys would do that, but the rules right now are such that that's not supposed to happen. So, um, but that's, you know, this is crazy times, right? But but okay, so so that's a good. So you talk about you talk about that, that the PGA Tour doesn't want their players signing autographs and not so much. In, well, yeah, I guess interacting. But yet in Major League Baseball, you got you got like, and I'll bring making up an example. Sorry, uh, Schubert. Um, here's my Philly fanatic. Is we're only two and a half games behind uh, uh, the Mets now. But you saw Andrew McCutcheon yesterday. He used to be a Pittsburgh Pirate, who now is a Philadelphia Philly, signing autographs for hundreds and hundreds of kids outside of the stadium, nobody wearing a mask. So if Major League Baseball can, can, can let their players sign all these autographs and things like that, I don't understand why the PGA Tour can't allow – their players to do that is there I mean, I mean i understand each sport's different and you're right covid covid was here covid was gone covid's back now you got the delta who nobody knows what's going to happen right now in this covid thing right but if major league baseball is letting everybody do that i don't understand why the pga tour can't allow you know like you said troy said he'll do it or maybe you know, somebody else will do that and somebody else won't i mean there's got to be a line drawn i think to where it's either yes or no or, or let's you know figure it out yeah, and I think that that the, the the final answer needs to be, you know, and again, we don't want to get political, but the final answer no, needs to come, you know, needs to come from the, you know, the party in charge right now. Uh, but but 
in terms of each sport, I think each sport does have the right right now to to look at things and, and try to do things. And I think the PGA Tour, you know, being kind of the first sport to go to come back from COVID, um, mm-hmm. they've they've always had this bubble. Um, they're trying to keep this bubble. Obviously, you know, the NBA, you know, they played in one city for a while. So every sport has their their different their different views. Now, you know, if Major League Baseball wants to to cut it loose, I'm I'm all for that. Uh, if golf right now says we don't want to have that, that's that's their decision. So I'm okay with that. And um, you know, hopefully, hopefully it won't be too long, and we can just say to hell with all of this and, and goodbye COVID, and 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 get on with with you know the the you know life as we used to know it. I, I hope that's the case. It's it's sad to me going back to the Olympics to you know to watch these these kids that have won gold medals, silver medals, bronze medals immediately have to put a mask on where where we as fans can't see their their smiles or their tears or or, or you know what's the going reactions. on and i think i i think that's a shame i really do hey dolby i got a question for yeah. you yes what's and and the other reason why i ask this is just because i don't think i've ever read it anywhere what's the pga's approach to to vaccinations have they been in have they been driving and, and giving the resources available for players to to be able to get their vaccinations because you mentioned major league baseball and it's a sport that hits close to home for me and i know that in spring training they had a bunch of doctors and they and they had experts go in and talk to each team when they were at their camps in spring training to kind of get out the movement so that players would get vaccinated and you have a lot of teams that are hitting that that 90% threshold to where they don't have to wear masks. They can take those liberties to interact with the fans because they know inside their own bubble, they're relatively safe. And I just don't know what the PGA's procedures have been on that. And, and not not saying it's negative, I just don't know. Yeah, and then the procedures go back to when, when, when the PGA Tour was sort of the first sport to get started, where there was, there was active testing, um, where even I as a coach to be in the bubble was tested every time I went to the tournament, had to have a negative test. The players were tested multiple times, um, to, you know, getting a test on a, on a Monday to be allowed to play that week. And then, um, you know, if they were going to fly in the charter on Sunday, then they needed to get tested on Sunday before they get. So a lot of testing. I think in terms of vaccination, I would say that the PGA Tour is behind, uh, probably a good bit behind where Major League Baseball is. Shoe, if you're saying that they're at the 90% um, threshold, I think the PGA Tour has been probably a lot further behind that. Um, probably... Uh, I think they're probably approaching maybe that 75% um, situation where, and, and I do think, I mean, I think that it has always been where it's been recommended, but it hasn't been where there's been present, like I've never seen a presentation or anything or have heard of a presentation by doctors, like you're saying at spring training, where they're saying, okay, let's do this. Um, there has been sort of that push now where there's not, there's not, the PGA Tour doesn't provide testing. Um, so if you're going to get tested, you have to do it, you know, by your, you know, you have to go find a private uh, person or, or, or organization to do it. So it has changed a little bit, which I think puts pressure on the players to get vaccinated um, in terms of, you know, 
how they can operate during the week, it is a little bit different. But I think there probably is still a lag behind what you're saying Major League Baseball is at. So, you know, it is it is different. And Bernie, I think it just goes to say that every sport has treated things a little bit differently. And I think you could make an argument that the PGA Tour starting very early has done a pretty good job uh, of, of being able to continue through this. Um, but, um, you know, in terms of vaccinations, maybe not as great as some. Did it? And, and we just thought we just watched, you know, Rom and DeChambeau um, have to withdraw from the Olympics. And, and I want to make this short and sweet with you on this. Did it piss you off that you and I know you're vaccinated and, we'll just, and so am I. Did it piss you off that you had to go through all this stuff at each and every tournament knowing you're vaccinated? Then, I mean, I guess what I'm trying to say having to go through all that were you upset at all because you know you're you're clear and ready to go then and, and you know that some people aren't it doesn't bother me because i think and and i think that i believe that everybody has the right to their opinion and their and and you know thinking about how they want to go about this for me um you know there were a number of reasons that i got vaccinated one though was as I saw it, uh, to get vaccinated, I wouldn't have to be tested every week. And it kind of made sense that it was a little bit easier with my work to go ahead and do that. Um, there were other reasons, but um, but I do respect that, um, you know, there are some guys on the PGA Tour that, that might lean pretty far right. Um, and, and maybe they just don't want to get vaccinated. And if that's the case, I'm, I'm you know, I don't, I, I I think they can have their opinion. Um, you know, does it make it easier to be vaccinated? I probably for all of us, yes. But I'm not gonna. I'm, I don't. I'm not pissed off because somebody chooses not to get vaccinated. Uh, the Barracudas this week. So the WGC. The Barracuda. Troy Merritt's had very good success the last couple of years. There uh, came close to winning twice. Morikawa beat him. Rorinsky beat him last year. From a, from, a, from a coaching standpoint, you excited for this week because Troy's had such good success? I know Sean O'Hare's in the event this week, but is this something you're looking forward to? I, and, and usually you go to this tournament. I'm surprised that you're not going to Truckee this year to, uh, to watch this event. Are you excited because Troy's always played well at this event? Yeah, I think Troy's had good good luck. You know, when the tournament was in Reno uh, two years ago, he was he he ran second to Morikawa, and Morikawa had to, and it was Morikawa's first win. Um, we all kind of knew he was a world beater, but um, and he had to do some great things coming in to beat Troy. Um, and then last year they moved the to move courses, so they moved to Truckee, um, and. He played well again, and and um, yeah, Rowinski did some great things to beat him. It's a different format. It's 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 not a it's seventy two holes, but it's a it's a points thing where you know if you make birdie, you get two points. If you make a bogey, you lose a point. If you make an eagle, you're going to get you know I think four points. So um, five. five. So it, it's it's kind of a fun uh, a fun thing where it's more go out there and try to make a bunch of birdies and you know yeah you're going to make a couple bogeys but that's okay so it, it it lends itself to aggressive golf and the thing that I do like I mean obviously I like that Troy's played well in it um, he's in a different position this season uh, the previous two seasons playing well in the Barracuda was kind of okay now we've got a job for next year and we're in the playoffs uh, this year 
he's, I think, and we're going to go over the, the FedEx list here in a little bit, but I think he's 67th or 68th in the FedEx point. So he's definitely in the playoffs. But what I said to him um, last week, and, and the reason I'm not going, I went to Minnesota a couple of weeks ago to the 3M championship. So I usually go about once a month to check on him. Um, but I said, we're really two tournaments, two good tournaments away from a trip to Atlanta and the tour championship. And this being a very important one where let's say he, you know, let's say he gets it done this year. Um, you know, that in itself with maybe just a little bit of good play, the first two playoffs, he could very well get to the tour championship. Um, but he's in a position where I think two good, two good tournaments, he's going to play this one. And then the first two playoff events, two out of three, we're going to Atlanta and he's never been to the tour championship. And that's been a, been a goal and something I've been talking about to the guys all season. So I am excited for this week and, and to see if he can, you know, maybe the third time's a charm here. The show is not sponsored by Miller Lite, even though I'm drinking it. I'm trying to get Miller Lite to sponsor us, but they won't return any of my phone calls. I maybe have a bad ag ad agency. Um, are you in favor of two tournaments in one week? WGC, Barracuda this week. What, what are your thoughts as far as like opposite field events and things like that? And I know that Troy and, and Sean O'Hare wouldn't have gotten the WGC event this week, so it gives them an opportunity to play. But do you think that the, the tour could schedule things a little bit different to where we don't have so many opposite fields events in one year? Or are you okay with it? I'm okay with it because I think what the PGA Tour is trying to do is they're trying to get done with the playoffs, which they're trying to beat they're trying to beat the NFL basically they want to get the playoffs done get the tour championship done before football takes over and that's that's a you know that's a business decision so i like i wouldn't like two events every week obviously but i like every so often the two events because what i do think this week it gives people a great chance to change their situation meaning for troy like i just talked about this could be a springboard to a to the tour championship which he's never been to for sean o'hare who's been playing on a major medical and is and hasn't you know he's not in the position he'd like to be this could be the one week where if he catches lightning in a bottle all of a sudden he has his he has his job for next year on the pga tour as opposed to what he's probably thinking right now is that I'm going to Corn Ferry, you know, I'm going to the Corn Ferry playoffs to try to play for my life. So it's an opportunity for, you know, four good days of golf and you can change a lot. For, for, for Monday and his guy, you know, maybe something great happens and all of a sudden, you know, a, a Monday qualifier takes first or is runner up and gets whatever, 300 points and all of a sudden they've changed their whole life. So I like that. Um, you know, the WCG, uh, the WGC events, obviously the best players in the world, it's good to see them um, play against each other where there's only, you know, I don't know, 70 players or something like that. The, the, the field is very good in, in Memphis. That's a great, great golf course. Um, it's an underrated golf course. It's a good, good golf course. Um, TPC Southwind. And so I think um, it's fun to have two events going on at the same time. And I'll actually probably, you know, I'm going to obviously be very interested in what happens at the Barracuda, but I'll be watching what happens at the, at the St. Jude as well. 
it's it's free points, free points, free money. Um, I mean, I guess they've earned it, right? But yeah, should 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 there be free points? I mean, so and, and I and I get it. So if you win the WGC events, probably six or seven hundred FedEx Cup points. If you win the Barracuda, it's three hundred. But are you in favor of the of the of the FedEx giving free points in some of these events? I mean, you take it to the Tournament of Champions in, in in Hawaii, free points, free money. I mean, you you've I already got a leg you, up. I think if you've done, I think if in my opinion is if you've done something so well that you're able to get in this tournament, then yeah. You deserve some extra points. And it was funny in that the 3M championship, so Troy played a practice round. He played nine holes with with um, Strebber, with Robert Streb um, on Tuesday. And we were just, I was talking to Streb and 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 I said, hey, are you going to, going to Reno, going to Tahoe? And he's like, no, I'm going to Memphis. And I was like, oh, that's right. And, you know, he won at Sea Island last fall. And damn it, he, you know, that's pretty good. He deserves to go to Memphis, and I'm happy that he's in Memphis. And I, I absolutely, you know, give him some points. That's fine with me. He deserves it. Where, um, um, so Troy, what do you say? Troy's what 68th, 69th on the on the FedEx Cup, and you got, uh, and I know Sean's in like in the 170s, and and you mentioned it, so I might as well clarify to the people listening or watching on the podcast. Anybody on the PGA Tour that finishes in the top 200 on the points list at the end of the year automatically goes to the finals of the corn Ferry tour, which will then bring players from 126 to 200 on the PGA tour. And then the players from, I think it is 26 to 75. And if I'm not wrong, Dolby, they'll battle three tournaments, most points accumulated the top 25 on that, get their tour card. Yeah. Top 20 for you. Absolutely. The top 20. So there's 25, players off the corn ferry the top 25 that are going to get their tour card and then but they do go in the playoffs and then the the other the top 25 guys who aren't in that 25 they get their tour card but then all of those guys are kind of playing for ranking in the playoffs uh except for right. the first guy out of the first guy out of the corn ferry is number one but then the rest of it is up for grabs so you you know even if you're you, you feel good you're number five on the corn ferry tour money list or yeah. points list you still need to go play well in that in that corn ferry playoffs to kind of maintain that position and and the reason you want to maintain it is you're going to get an extra start or two or three over the course sure. of next season and that's really important you might maybe for example maybe there's two or three or four guys from that category that get in the waste management open not very many yes. get in it because it's a small small field but there's certainly guys that aren't going to get into it. So it's, 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 I, I like, you know, it's, it's big drama. There's a lot of drama. And, and I know Bernie, you love this stuff where it's the, you know, the corn fairy guys trying to, trying to move their way up or, you know, a Sean O'Hare who's, who hasn't played the kind of golf that he's capable of, you know, doing something, doing something well. And I've got the FedEx list up here and you look at, I think from now, now on, we start looking at who are the bubble guys. And so, for the for the first playoff, the first PGA, the FedEx playoffs, the first one, the Northern Trust, it's the first hundred top hundred twenty five guys, right? And they're also going to get their job for next year. Well, right now, number one twenty five. Now he may. There's probably ways that he's going to have his tour card next year. But you look at one twenty five is Ricky Fowler. 
124 is Nate Lashley. You know, 23 is Adam Scott. So, you know, those guys probably have ways to get back out there. But it's interesting that, you know, those guys haven't had great seasons this year. 126 is Patrick Rogers. Camillo Viegas um, is, is 127. 128, Chesson Hadley. And Chesson was runner-up in a tournament this year, but that's really all that he's done. So, it, it's a you know, these guys are on the bubble. And then after that first event, now – we go from 125 to 70 to get in the BMW. Well, you know, Troy right now is 67. Um, but, you know, number 71 is Bubba Watson. So he's a bubble boy for getting in the BMW championship. Bubba Watson is not somebody that we would think would be in that position this year, that he's normally a guy that's going to probably be going to Atlanta. So it's I. this is when we start looking at these FedEx points and really trying to get a feel of, uh, of, of who's doing what and, and why and where. And then, you know, there are the guys, like you said, there's the guys that are 126 to 200 that are, you know, that are got to battle just to get a chance to go to the Corn Ferry playoffs. And, and, it's it's a hard job sometimes you know and, and as you know bernie it's a hard job and um sometimes things just don't work for a year or something jason duffner is 161 right now you know that's just not where he would normally be um you know for him right now the putter is his worst enemy and and so um he's hopefully going to figure something out but it's just you know it's just it's interesting to watch these numbers and to see who's doing who's doing what and 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 where they're at. And I'm sure, Bernie, have you ever been when you were caddying? Did you ever have a situation where you were a bubble guy, where where you and your guy were were on the bubble of something? Yeah, we were um, we were on the bubble eeks, and we were in the bubble of getting in every champions event one year. I mean, we were first alternate, second alternate, first alternate, third alternate, in by one, but things like that. But I'm going to change the two to you real quick. I like how this is run now i like the fact if you miss your tour card you finish 126 to 200 you go to the corn ferry tour finals i like the fact that from 26 to 75 on the corn ferry tour you go to the finals i think it i think it is better now than it was back when you started at stage one at q school you went to stage two you went to stage three you went to the finals if you're in the top 50 you got your card I think this. I think the way they do it now, and a lot of people are going to disagree, especially a lot of, you know, touring pros and things like that. I think it's way better now doing it this way to earn yourself your way onto the PGA Tour than to, as you said, catch fucking lightning in a bottle one week at at uh, San Diego or La Jolla, wherever we used to play, or, or uh, Palm Desert, PGA West, or yeah. Orlando, Florida, yeah, PGA West yep. or Orlando. Having one great week, one great week, get your tour card, and then have the worst year. I think, I think that the players now. I think this is the way to go. I think it's way better. And I know you know guys like JJ Colleen and things like that. John Peterson disagree with me, but I like the way they do it now. Earn your way to the PGA Tour because you can go back in time and look at results and see players that caught the lightning in the bottle for that one week that you saw on the PGA Tour, then you look at the end of the year, 24 events, 22 missed cuts, a 47th in Puerto Rico, and a uh, 18th in, at Atlanta. And you never heard from them again. I think this is the way, I, I like the way they do it nowadays. 
Might yeah, be. I think it. I think it's. I, I think it is the right way now. And there's so many players. And and when you have a corn ferry tour as sort of your AAA uh, golf, mm -hmm. that that you want to reward these guys. I still kind of like. You know, I kind of like the old six days at PGA West, but but I, I understand that I things need to change and 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 you know the the drama sometimes that happened in those six days was 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 interesting. But I think what we're going to see in both playoffs, the FedEx playoffs, or how to get into those tournaments, and then the Corn Ferry playoffs, um, you're going to see a lot of drama. And then you know, basically, you get done with the playoffs, and it's time to get started. And Bernie, you don't know about this, but the uh, that tomorrow the PGA Tour will be coming out with their with their fall schedule. No, I don't know any of this stuff. That's why that's why you 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 handle this stuff. And then obviously we've got a Ryder Cup this year. The Ryder Cup will be. I'm kind of looking at some notes here. The week of September 20th, but then there will be. It looks like two, four, six, eight, nine, probably ten more events. Um, in the fall season, now the one thing, and they're they're going to be the same same normal events. The one thing that will change, or or will follow last year with COVID, um, there's usually three tournaments in Asia, and it's the okay. the Zozo Championship, the CJ Cup, and then there's a WGC. One's in Japan, one's in South Korea, one's in China. If you remember last year after the Shriners, which is the tournament in Las Vegas at TPC Summerlin, the, some of the guys, limited field, but some of the guys stayed and played at, um, at Shadow Creek. This year, it looks like they'll be doing the same thing. And I think this is for the CJ Cup. That looks like they're going to be doing the same thing. It won't be Shadow Creek, but it looks like it's a place called The Summit. Um, and so there'll be some of the guys that play the Shriners and then stay for another week and play one of the limited field events. So hopefully, hopefully Troy's qualified for a couple of those. And that's where, you know, like you said, there's, there's free points. And if Troy's in them, especially I'm all for free points, but, um, really? you know, kind of the, kind of the similar, the similar events. There's a, there's a tournament in Napa. Um, it used to be the Safeway. There's a new sponsor. There's going to be Jackson, Mississippi, Vegas. Um, they do go to Bermuda, uh, Mayakoba, Houston, and and then Sea Island. So that I think will be. I think there's an announcement coming. And then um, there may be some shuffles in next spring. One of the shuffles is the NFL has added a another game to their schedule. Right. So 17 weeks it, now. The waste management always ends on Super Bowl Sunday, right? Always has. So they're going to tell me it's they're changing. Gonna, they're going to flip. So the AT&T Pebble Beach will go first, and the waste management will then go and will be that whatever day the Super Bowl is, it will be Super Bowl Sunday. So they're going to flip. Usually they play in Phoenix, and then they go to Pebble Beach. This year they'll play Pebble Beach and then come to Phoenix. So it will be – Super Bowl Sunday, but it's going to be a little different, uh, a little different um, time frame. Another week, just a, an extra, another week. Maybe they won't have shitty weather this year in uh, Pebble Beach. I had a, a green chili burrito today uh, for lunch. Put it on Twitter. Uh, burrito Express. It was, it was good as always. Uh, Dolby, uh, before we go, the Tuesday match is happening tomorrow. Um, it's just three of us. I don't want to give Adam Blonker. Uh, good friend of the program is playing. We're playing 
And, and you know me, I'm not an early bird, okay? But I've got to get up at 6 a.m. for an 8 o'clock tea time tomorrow. We're playing a, a talking stick. It's supposed to be 115 in the afternoon or 112, so we're going to play in the morning. Any advice before we cut this off on what I should do with my game tomorrow? Um, should I go low cross hand? Should I hit hooks? Should I hit cuts? Should I drive the cart? I mean, what? I mean, give me some advice real quick before we uh, before we end this podcast. Well, one of the things that with an early tea time that you probably should do, um, you've got to get up even earlier to get your body going. So I would recommend that you set your alarm for four a.m. with that's you know get it you know, that, that's that early tea time. I'd get up at four or five. Um, you know, maybe take a brisk walk. Um, and get your body going so that you're actually your body is in its its normal its normal function. So I think that's very important. That I, I would uh, and I can I'm happy to to give you a wake up call at at, at four or five because I'm generally up. So you know that I'm early, I'm an early riser. So I'm happy to help. But uh, yeah, I think that's the most important thing. And then maybe maybe you go cross handed. The big thing on the greens right now. Obviously, most golf courses, this is not prime time for golf in Arizona, the golf courses. So trying to figure out the speed of the greens is the big thing, whether you're cross-handed, you know, conventional long putter, whatever, the speed of the greens is going to be the big thing because they might be a little more, uh, a little slower than, than, than in March. So be careful of that. But I think that that early wake-up call is key. Yeah. So why don't you call me about 345? Okay. I will. You know, I will. I know you will. I'm just kidding. The fuck that. No, I'm done. No, do, not, do not call me at 3:45. All right, podcast number four is over. Thanks to Chris Schubert. Uh, thanks to uh, Sean Crespin. Thanks to our fine folks at Burrito Express for Dolby and Bernie. Uh, we'll talk to you next week. Have a great week, everybody. Hit them straight, everybody.